0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. And this week with our guest, Josh Douglas, we talk about how electronics are changing the sport of fishing, whether it's for the better or for the worse. We also talk about a recent mishap Josh had on a guide trip. Uh, Thankfully, he escaped the situation unharmed, but it was a crazy story. So hope you guys enjoy. All right welcome back to another episode today we've got kind of a special episode it is going to be rob myself and our good buddy josh douglas from minnesota nick um actually got invited out to the lake this morning with his family so uh instead of forcing him into talking to us for an hour uh you know we uh we let him go out fishing so hopefully he had some fun right rob
1: yeah he's where uh in wyoming right so hopefully hopefully they're doing some trout fishing huh
0: yeah. Yeah. And I guess I, I assume that they're fishing, but, uh, yeah, pr- probably trout fishing or, or I guess, uh, maybe even lake trout fishing, but regardless, they're having a nice Saturday at the lake. And, uh, we had a, a great chat with Josh. Josh is, uh, I have actually known Josh for about 10 years. We met fish in the opens back in the day and always kind of stayed in touch. I've always had a lot of respect for him just cause he's a complete fish head. Uh, just like we are. I mean, and you, you can hear it in the interview. All this guy does is, uh, fish and, um, he's fished all over the country, but he lives, uh, he lives in Minnesota now on Mille Lacs, just fishes every tournament he can get his hands on FLW tour bass opens, uh, d- does a ton of guiding and uh, he's got a lot of great knowledge. So, uh, looking forward to that interview, but, uh, before we turn it over, uh, I know Rob, you said, uh, you didn't do much fishing this week, but, uh, do you have anything in the pipeline, uh, what, what's yep, going on
1: what? i've got a few trips this coming up this next week um so hopefully hopefully fishing's good and i'm uh, just looking forward to that it's you know it's typical this time of year to be slow so i just need to get through it it's uh it's the i guess the dog days of summer so that's the way it is but uh looking forward to next week and we'll go from there so yeah talking to josh douglas was a absolute blast he's um like you said he's a total fish head uh i would love to. i'd love to hire him as a guide because he's just an easy guy to talk to and uh that may be something we do in the future maybe take my son up there or maybe all of us go up there It'd be kind of fun so
0: oh yeah dude and yeah i mean do it uh do it sooner than later if you can man and it's same thing for the listeners too you just uh, you know we talked about how these lakes you know they're they're in a great place right now but uh and hopefully it stays that way, but you just never know. I mean, Mille Lacs is such a special place right now. Who knows if it's going to be this good in 10 years. So, uh, if you're, if you're on the fence about doing one of those Northern smallmouth trips, anyone, uh, I would, I know it's been a jacked up year and it's hard to travel and stuff, but if you can do it next summer go do it because it's a, uh, it's as good. It's, it's literally the glory days up there right now. Like hope, hopefully they will be, be just as good in 20, 30 years, but we may be talking about these were the glory days right now.
1: Yeah, I would think the guiding in the northern part of the country has got to be phenomenal for smallmouth. Look at all the play that the smallmouth fisheries are getting, you know, from from the tournaments you're fishing to, I mean, all of them. They're just really uh, showing off the good smallmouth fishing. I'm sure tons of people are wanting to go do that, so I would imagine the guides are super busy. Since their window is smaller, I mean, they can pretty much only do it in the summer and, well, spring, summer, and fall, but it's not as long as we sh- we fish 365 out here uh they fish a few months up there so yeah i would imagine they're super busy so.
0: that's a good point dude they've got to be slammed with the attention they're all getting and stuff like that and uh yeah i mean it's it's a, a a good thing and a bad thing for us i mean it's spread out over the course of the year uh it, it is nice you know guiding in the south really because you really ra- we rarely have weather mess up our day but just talking to josh he talked about like you know, you get there into like this September, October fishing, these big giant lakes, like someone might book a day and there's a really legitimate chance that day. It's going to be, a, you know, they're going to have big giant waves or bad weather and stuff. We are fortunate down here, man. We don't, I mean, how many trips have you ever had to cancel from weather dude?
1: I think maybe over the last 10 years, I've maybe canceled one or two. Um, and some of them, well, maybe maybe 5 of them but maybe maybe a couple of them we canceled just because of the forecast and it never turned out to rain or whatever and we probably shouldn't have not canceled um but yeah it's pretty rare down here for sure how about you
0: yeah no, same here man very rare a couple couple times just from crazy wind or whatever you know but uh yeah. nothing it, but that's rare i mean it's super rare compared to that so I don't know. I know, uh, you're talking, we're just kind of in the dog days of the summer and dude, I was just on the road. I mean, I've been on the road for a month, but I've been sitting at home all week, having a great time catching up with the, with my family, man. But I'm, I'm, I'm about ready to get back on the water already. So I'm going to try to, even if the fishing is tough, it's just going to be nice to get back out on some of our Arizona lakes. It's been a, it's been a while for me, man. I think the last fishing I did here in Arizona was in May. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm itching to get back on our lakes, even if uh, even if they are tough, man. I just miss that miss that scenery and and being on these lakes.
1: Yeah, they're a lot of fun to fish. So
0: right on. Well, hey, uh, without Nick, man, we uh, uh, we're not gonna try to kill uh, 20, 30 minutes before the interview. We got a nice long interview with Josh, so uh, let's just send it over to him and uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right, so Josh. You were supposed to be fishing, but, uh, you said you just got blown off the lake by a storm. Yeah, actually a big, a big one started rolling through, was, of course it was one of those 0% chance
2: of storms, but Northern Minnesota gets them quite a bit, uh, especially this time of year. So, uh, and you know, Mille is a big body of water, but when you only live, live three minutes away from the boat ramp, it's pretty easy to, to just call it real quick and regroup and then come back out.
0: Oh, so you're not done for the day.
2: No, I'll probably, no, it's just right down the road. I'll probably go, I'll probably go. There's actually like a big fish tournament going on, so I was kind of hesitant to be messing around out there anyway with just uh, getting in other people's hair trying to fish a tournament. So I'll probably come back to do this deal, eat some lunch, bring a couple poles, and then uh, go back out there once the storm's
0: away. Right on. Uh, how many boats are in this derby, dude, out there? Is it packed? I, I don't, no, no, it never is. It's such a big lake, you know, you can't
2: see far. It's essentially like a, St. Clair just a big bowl you, you've been there before so yeah it's just uh um you know I, I don't know it's just a big it's just one of those big baths weighing in every hour type of uh but of course, with, of course with the whole COVID deal it's all that's all weird like they don't actually bring him in they somehow do it over uh uh, uh like taking pictures and sending it in live and all that kind of Whoa. kind of a cool, cool event but uh at the end of the day yeah no it was definitely the, the storm pushed me off and but to be dead honest with you, dude, I don't even go out there and catch them much if it's just me. I, I just idle. You know, you know how those rocks can be power on like like uh, Malak. So I just get off in the middle of no man's land where the map doesn't say
0: nothing and start looking around. That's cool, man. I bet you got some unbelievable yeah. stuff. Do, do do the rocks like emerge out of nowhere at times? Does that happen, dude, where a rock will just I know that sounds ridiculous, but do they just pop up where there was no uh, rocks I've, before ever? Like, uh, okay, I can tell you
2: that they're doing it in my backyard. So I live across the street from Alaska, and essentially, this is all just glacier area, so the glaciers came through, and as they dug into the earth they they were you know scraping the Earth's surface, and then they retreated, and when they retreated, they just left piles of rocks everywhere. And so that's where those rocks all came from. Uh, so they're just underneath the ground. They're popping up in my backyard, like in my woods in my backyard, it's all pretty rural here. The woods in my backyard have like a reef. In the middle. So if the lake was any bigger, that'd have been a, a shallow reef in my nice backyard. And I will tell you, there's one in my in my backyard that keeps popping out. And like here in this area of the country, people will put those like the big boulders, five footers, six footers. They'll put them like by their mailbox and stuff on the street, uh so the plows don't hit their hit their stuff. That's kind of <laughs> cool. You can drive by everybody's and there's always one big one big boulder. But uh so you know, I don't know. You you I know you never see one, and then all of a sudden you see one you know, that you're like, dang, I swear I've idled this a thousand times. I've never seen that boulder before. Uh, So there is that aspect that maybe, but I did hear from a guy that's lived here his whole life says that in the middle of the lake, they don't just pop out because um, it's protected from the frost line. But going off a good portion of the bank, actually, the frost line will push from the shore, push down and push those boulders like out towards the, Towards the lake, and then eventually pop them back, back out. So I have heard that, yeah, they do that. They are still like popping up out of nowhere. But you'd be amazed, man. It can look like Arizona, dude, like the desert, just sand, sand, sand. they're nothing for for miles, and all of a sudden you see you see one there, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, that's that's a, you know, you, those those oh, yeah. You get on top of them. You get on top of that. You catch those fish. They probably don't reload very often, but at the same time, I guarantee you, there's one there. You know
0: what's the most you've ever caught off one of those magic holders
2: yeah uh they're they're more so like boat docks here you know you, you pull up you catch one you leave but with with technology like guys got live scope or live site i use and stuff you can see stuff ahead live like i've learned over the last year or two that there's actually usually a whole heck of a lot more of them that are there than not uh like three or four uh i've definitely caught in you know a 20 20 plus pound bag off of one rock before but generally it's like a boat dock deal where you know you just pop you, you pop one there and then you bounce you know if you hit if you hit 10 of them you're going to catch you know catch a good one off one or two of them and if you hit 100 in a day you're going to catch you know 10 15 good ones
0: that's cool what a, what a cool place <laughs> and a cool way to fish man uh rob how far did you grow up rob is also uh from minnesota how far did you grow up from mille Lacs, dude did really? you ever go out there
1: I grew up a long ways from there. I grew up where there was no bass. Uh, I was in the southwest corner of Minnesota. Uh, yeah, <laughs> where there was no was, bass. There was. There, I mean, literally, there's not a bass yeah. in any of those lakes down there. There may be now, but when I was growing up, there, there wasn't. Um, so Definitely I mean, not small. What's
2: that? Definitely not small moss
1: correct and i mean minnesota's so known so much for fishing but the area i was from was just not that good at fishing so we would go up around the alexandria area and fish uh every summer my dad and i would uh and i think that area is pretty good but i, I think mille Lacs is just i mean just uh, almost like the great lakes isn't it as far as smallmouth fishing
2: yeah it's close you know i mean yeah. it's still landlocked and all that but yeah it's definitely big where you're from that's basically iowa just uh corn, yep. a lot of cornfields and And maybe some natural ponds and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's weird. Yeah, we have 13,000 lakes here in Minnesota, but they're really crammed in from about the Twin Cities north up as you get towards Canada and that glacier shield. And then there's, you know, I've probably got a couple hundred lakes, which is crazy for you, huh, Josh? And being in Arizona, (laughs) I got a couple hundred lakes that are within a half hour from my house. Within a half hour, dude. That's bro. Like I can go any direction I want and just hit lakes that I've never even been to which i think as an angler keeps you sharp and that, those are kind of the fun days now they might be long gravel roads to get to them but yeah they just look on the map and pick some you've never been to
0: and can go but there's do you uh, do that much i know you don't have much time you're a busy guy but how often do you actually yeah. get to do that
2: you know i've been doing it a heck of a lot more you know i for the first i've only lived on Malax. This is like my fourth year um basically when i uh got onto the flw tour um, we left the city and Brie quit her job, and, and we didn't need the city, which Minneapolis is a fairly expensive city to live in. Um, and then once you move up north, though, it gets pretty rural. Everything gets kind of cheap. And then I was, I was guiding on Lake Mille Lac, so instead of driving two hours every day to get to Mille Lacs, uh, I, so I spent a lot of time here. But, the you know, I know the lake pretty well now. Um, and, and if there is, and you know this with any small factory, technically this is like the time of year you know, I mean, it's either iced out, and you can't catch them at all, or small fishing is pretty good. So if there is a bad time, it's usually the month of August that these lakes start getting mm. their algae blooms and they get just, the fish aren't at their biggest, um, you know, not, you know, they're, they're not, they're, they're post-spawn, they're thinking about eating more, but they're not quite to that, that fall state. So it's like they're, they're at their smallest, they're way more scattered. So the last two years dude I've, I've spent a lot of time uh just traveling a, around and finding these little lakes and and you, most of them are large lakes just little natural largemouth lakes but you'd be surprised how many uh them still have some smallmouths in them but then you're talking about you know a three pounder being a big fish maybe a four pounder something
1: like that that's so, still they, really cool speaking of all <laughs> the lakes there i i took a guy from minnesota on a guide trip here in arizona and we pull up to the lake and there's like 20 guys launching and my guy was freaking out he goes if I pull up to a boat ramp and there's another trailer in the parking lot I'll go to the next lake
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah those ones I've been fishing I guarantee you there wasn't but one or two other that's um, incredible. Maybe a walleye boat. but but they're loaded with cabins you know so most people
1: boats yeah. are already
2: in the water and all that kind of good stuff but but yeah, man, uh, it's it's
1: a really good place to 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 live and to fish for sure. What do you do in What do you do in the wintertime? Do you guide on ice fishing, or do you do any of that type of stuff? Or
2: no, do you, I, do you go I south? actually, dude, I hate I hate uh, ice fishing with a passion. It's just not nearly as mobile. I'm not. I've never. I've actually never used live bait for bass before. Um, okay. And and that's what you got to do a lot of times, you know. And 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 I just don't think bass eat that good. Now I I do. There are a couple buddies of mine that catch big largies and big smallies through the ice. So I, you know, you'd have to I'd have to get like the four wheeler, the snowmobile, and the auger, and like do everything. And that's yep. just like so. Essentially, what we just we stay here. Usually, the season starts to just get too cold, you know, dangerously cold. You know, the little lakes will start freezing in November, and then. Mille Lacs won't freeze until around Christmas, but you know, it's still, you're talking about 10, you know, 20 degree highs for the day your line's freezing and that's just dangerous with those big waves and stuff. Yeah. I mean, hypothermia, but that's also hunting season here. So we got a little bit of hunt season November and then the holidays. And then I, I usually, we, we have a Lance camper. So I and, and the dog, we, we load up and we're usually just head down to Florida or South Texas or, Perfect. somewhere that I feel like I need to go to get better with my fishing and just spend more time understanding that, that area. Then we just kind of get out of here and do, and do that. So basically my guiding is, is, uh, from about ice out to, you know, October. And since I only do out of state trips, so you got to fly in or come into the state to, to go out with me. Uh, I usually don't start, don't book them past October 15th ish, just, uh, you know that's a lot of investment, and we might not ever get on the water. It it could be 30s and a 30 right. mile an hour wind three days in a row, and you just can't. You know, you know, I
1: hate for somebody to plan for that. So you you will not take locals? Is that what you're saying?
2: I don't. No, no, I haven't for a couple few years now. Yep. That's outstanding. That's pretty.
0: <laughs> rob's all excited well, it, dude he wishes we could do that out here.
2: <laughs> yeah you know i mean it, it here's the deal it's it's so close to the city and and it's too it, that's a two-part deal for me one is, is like what josh was saying, just time i just don't have the time and 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 with that you know to be able to guide every day with tournament fishing and, and fishing a lot I'm, I'm gone and away from home and and of course sponsor obligations stuff like that i just the actual days i have i probably you know if I'm looking. You know, this year was weird because of COVID, and obviously, I couldn't invite people into the state when they don't want people coming into state. So I just basically shut down for the year. Um, but yeah, you 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 bring in, I'd say 30 trips, 30 trips, 30, yes. 35 trips is probably about what I can and get pr- in. And 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 honestly, I can do that just through social media and just telling people I have availabilities and getting people to come in from out of state. But there's there was guides here before me. Uh, that very much so depend on on the lake for their their family and to feed their family and stuff. So I didn't want to take I don't want to take trips away. I, I get plenty of people contact me from inside the state. I just push them uh, to those to those yep. guides and then and then again I you know I did it for a year or two, and you just end when it's only an hour and a half two hour drive to the city. Yeah, you end up seeing some familiar faces a lot on the same exact stuff that you're fishing. <laughs> And yep. so I just, you know, maybe one day I'm going to need it. But as far as the area, it was hit hard. We had some walleye bands in lake's notoriously known as a walleye lake for years. Uh, so the resorts and stuff aren't doing as good. So it was my way moving here to help stimulate the economy and at the same time not take any any business away from the ones that were here before me. Yep. And, uh, and, and then I found a unique little thing. I was kind of telling Josh this before. I found a unique thing that, that has helped me a bunch because I think... Once you become a pretty decent fisherman, dealing with pressure is is a big thing, uh, as far as tournament fishing fishing goes. And when you are, you know, I'm not that cheap to go out with. And then when when I require you to come in, you, it means you got flights, you got rental cars, you got a cabin. It's just a ton of pressure, and people don't come to Mille Lacs to not catch 20 pounds. You know what I mean? Like they come yes. to catch 20 pounds. That's my job is to make sure you catch 20 pounds that day. I just think it helps. Me when you deal with it in and out every single day, all of a sudden pressure on tournaments just didn't seem uh, uh, seem that big of a deal anymore because I was kind of doing it to myself, uh, guiding every day. You know what I mean? I'm just, oh, you, just I, used to having to figure out how to perform with pressure on you.
1: Yeah, and I mean guiding the pressure is so much greater because you you're in you have less control because someone else is fishing, right? So uh, so it's it just makes it tougher, and I completely get that that's a
0: really interesting point guys. You know, it's a, it's a, it is, if it's a, if you have a bad tournament, you know, you just, you just say I sucked, you know, and, and, and that's it and it stings, but it just stings you, you know, and yep. yeah, I guess just having these people in the boat that put so much faith in you to get, get them out there and catch them. And uh, of course, you know, you run into scenarios where the conditions aren't right or weird things happen and it doesn't always work out, but, um, uh, man, it's a, I'm sure you guys have felt it plenty of times. I mean, I've been on plenty of guide trips where you're two thirds of the way through the day and it just hasn't happened yet. And you got a pit in your stomach.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Those are are tough days.
2: And, and, you know, by doing this, this way too, I got away from the half day stuff, you know, and, and which is so necessary to do. And it's such a great way to make money. I did it for years, you know, six o'clock to noon, one group, one to six is another, is another group. Uh, but instead now I, I'm, I'm basically your concierge once you get here and it worked well for me because I actually went to school for hospitality. I did, I can't say I finished school, but I went to school for hospitality. I worked for Marriott for a long, for, you know, a few years of those coming up in restaurants and stuff, uh, before I went full-time fishing. And so it's just in my nature to say, like, once you get here, you know, you're checking in with me and, and it, we don't, I don't tell them we're done at four. You know what I mean? If these guys want to fish, we are jamming. And, and we're, we're out there doing it like the real deal. Like we don't just call it at the end of the day. No, if it's four o'clock and they've caught in 22 pounds and they, you know what I mean? Then we're like, you know, let's take it to the bar. There's plenty of them around the lake and stuff for them to hang out at. But <laughs> nice, if we're yeah. struggling and, and, and a guy hasn't caught and, you know, it's a, it's just an odd day, then, then man, we're out there until, uh, you know, and then you usually get a couple days with them too. So usually you're breaking personal best. And a lot of times my clientele is coming in from, you know, uh, Missouri, Oklahoma stuff where they don't have a lot of big smallies at. So, um, you know, it's an experience as a whole, and then you also got to make sure that they, uh, that they smash them. That's for sure. Right. Before
0: before we get off the guiding, dude, um, we, I I talked to you a couple weeks ago and you told me just a classic story about something that happened (laughs) on a guide trip earlier this year. Uh, I know you're probably prepared to tell it on here, but dude, you've got to tell Rob and the listeners about uh about this guide trip you had
2: yeah i did you know we were actually josh and i just had a tournament together not long we had dinner together so we were already swapping some, some guide stories and i have been and, and it sounds like you all have to really lucky uh of course there's a couple of horror stories more so in the start of my guiding when you know i needed i'd take 200 bucks from anybody to take them fishing you know and and uh and, you know, then you get you get all kinds. But I've been very lucky. Most of my clientele, all of my clientele, really are are diehards. You know what I mean? They're they're diehards. If, if they had another opportunity at life, they'd they'd be pro fishermen.
1: Uh,
2: and I had re- recently, I had a, a two of my favorite guys that come in that come in, and a lot of my clientele's return um, people. So I've had them before. These dudes are diehards. They don't care what the wind's doing or nothing. They they want to go. And uh, we had a good day. We had a really good day that day. It was the end of the day. Uh, I had them again the next day, um, but I was also getting ready for the super tournaments. We had that first one coming up on Chickamauga that I was leaving for in two days. So uh, I, I was, you know, looking forward to get back and get rigging for that. And there was one bedfish fish um, that was around this big point that that early in the morning w- one of the brothers he couldn't catch. He, he he couldn't get it, and it was probably the biggest of the day. And uh, and he hadn't had, like, a real true big one. His brother did, but he hadn't had one yet. And and uh, so we were getting ready to go. And he's like, what about that fish? I'm like, oh, man. And I'm looking around this point, and there's four or five footers on it, you know? And I'm like, God dang it. I'm like, you want it bad, don't you? He's like, yeah. So I'm like, all right, put the Gore-Tex on. You know, and we, we go all the way around this point. Of course, we go to that one way point where that fish is sitting, and there's a, a, a local boat sitting like, on it, like, working that fish. So like... Right, all right, I just took all this time to get there, and I, I look and there's this little river inlet area, and uh, and uh, where where post spawn fish like to get, and it's just a little current thing. It starts actually, it starts a river system from there, but it's just a little current spot, and it has a little underwater dam on it, and uh, it's a good little post spawn spot to catch a big fish or two. But I'm like, all right, let's solve it. just let's go there. So we run over there quick. And of course, they catch like a nine pound walleye right away. That's, that's in there. And th- and then they catch like, and then a five pound Smalley, the, the one that was going for that a big one, which I don't even think was a five pounder, you know, probably a big four. He catches a, a legit five. Uh, I'm throwing a little marabou hair jig and when he catches it, there's like six, seven more behind it. So we're we're like, whatever. Now his brother's geeking out about it too, and, and they're both throwing. So I my troll motor's down. And I'm just, you know, i am got him. I'm just kind of sitting there holding the boat. You know, I, I don't fish too much when we're fishing until it's later in the day and they've already blasted them and or I really like the spot and I don't know why they're not getting bit. You know what I mean? I might make a couple casts on it quick before I pull the troll motor. So I'm just kind of sitting there and trolling motor's down. I got the power poles down. We're probably sitting 100 feet off of this off of this dam where the the water is ripping, a, you know, going over the dam and out. And then it's not like a dam dam like what we know for reservoir fishing. It's just, it's just, it's like, it's like probably 50 feet, 50, 60 feet across a little stream, but it's all like rapids and stuff behind it. It's probably got like a two or three foot drop on the back side of it, right? You're just fishing the front of it where the current's flowing over. Well, they, they start catching probably every every couple minutes they're catching a fish. And they're, they're using their eyes. So one's on the back of the boat. The other one's on the front. I, I'm like, I'm power pulled down. We've been sitting there 10 minutes. I'm like, well, heck, I'm going to re-rig my poles real quick for the next day so I don't have to do that when we get back. So I'm sitting. I got my middle locker open, and I'm sitting in the bottom of my boat. And uh, they're, every now and then I hear a, a drag squeal or whatever. is the big one need a pitcher? No, we're good. you know And they're, one's on the front. The other one's on the back. And I had just finished the last rod. So I was probably down there for like a half an hour. And uh, I just finished the last one. And I hear one of the brothers tell me uh, that we're moving. And I look back and my power poles are both out. Right? Oh, and I'm no. like, how, how, how in the heck did my power poles get up? And, and I drop my big, you know, the big lid on my Phoenix. And I look and I'm like, oh my God, we're sideways. And we're only, you know, 20, 20 30 feet off the <laughs> dam now like the current, you don't feel it when you're sitting there and them two were so zoned that they were uh in fishing that they just weren't paying attention plus when you're not the guide you're used to the power poles and stuff going up and down and you just assume that's the guide doing that right so so all of a sudden i go to jump up on my trolling motor quick and now you got to remember i'm already sideways so we're we're pushing pretty good and fast and i go to get on my troll motors probably on like 30 and and i uh and I got nothing. It, it keeps pushing me, and so I immediately clicked it to a hundred. And right when I do that, it shears off the shears off the propellers on the on the trolling motor prop. Oh, and within seconds, we were pinned against that little dam. And we got lucky as heck, dude, because the the I had some fiberglass damage, not much, but I got pinned against the rocks just right on the backside. And then my trolling motor actually prevented it from going over the dam. And uh, but uh, we had to have a couple buddies come and pull me off, and of course it was by the freeway, so people were like there. But essentially, somebody uh, hit hit just somebody somehow the power pull came up. Somebody hit one of the buttons at some point in time, and no none none of us noticed that happen. And just like that, you know, we were we were against (laughs) here against the dam. But I will tell you this: if there was people I could have had in my boat for that, I was definitely definitely the sissy in the group like like as far as like oh my god
0: this is terrible my boat's gone well i I mean it is your seventy thousand dollar boat
2: right right true true but they're both like these badass new york boys and they're like (laughs) dude this boat ain't this boat is coming off of here this is what we do like at one point, one of them told me he' was gonna make me go sit in the truck if i didn't just <laughs> if I didn't just let them do their do their thing so it they, like they they actually were pretty awesome, sure enough man I, they pulled me right off that deal, and I had really very very limited damage at all um uh, my troll motor was obviously beat up, but that ain't nothing that we can't get uh fixed up but yeah it it was one of those deals that uh uh, definitely one of the, you spend enough time on the water, and I know you guys know you spend enough time out on the water, and, and weird things happen. That's
1: for sure. What happens if your boat goes over that dam?
2: Yeah, that, so that's the catastrophic part. Why I really gotta uh, just be so positive about it. Uh, yeah, it would have been really bad because the the it was pretty much rapids after that. Now I wouldn't have died or nothing like that. It would it would have it, it it's literally like a two foot fall. But then you know the boat would have gotten. Pummel. The problem it. is is there's just a culvert on the other side that goes to uh that goes to a a bird refuge. Okay. So it, it goes to like a bird refuge area that no there's no boat ramp there and plus I couldn't get my <laughs> boat to the culvert. So I guessing a load, huh? a, t- a tow truck from the freeway under the bridge right there, where there's a bridge, I'm guessing they had just hooked up my boat and just dragged it across the riprap and set it on the freeway until I <laughs>
1: Yeah. I, that's uh, what I'm saying.
2: Like the fact that it didn't go over is, is cause I bet you if it happened a hundred more times, 99 times I'd, I'd, I'd have gone
0: over. No kidding.
2: So yeah, wow. yeah, no, for sure. It's an anomaly that, that the boat didn't go over. It was just a, a thing of where the engine was down and, and everything. And it, it kind of all happened slow, but happened really, really, really fast. So one, one thing people got to know, like I said, I mean, clearly I'm, been doing it a long time and I'm no dummy. I don't get myself too close to dams. Like we were in a legal area to fish. Uh, all of that stuff of was good, but never underestimate the, uh, the power of, of water because that happens like everything completely legal, but just a, a, a simple mishap be- between all of us in the boat of realizing what happened when it happened. And, uh, God, if that would have been like a dam dam, I could see how bad things could get a really quick hurry. So
1: Oh yeah, uh,
2: boats. Boats are boats. We can always get a new boat, but uh, yeah, you just want to be careful around that stuff. And I learned a very valuable lesson, honestly, at a, uh, you know, at, at a fairly at a very small expense. At, by the end of the day, they they caught them good. We went fishing the next day. Everything was all good. You
1: know, <laughs> that's pretty cool. That is. That's a crazy yeah.
0: story, dude. Yeah. Sorry to make yeah. you relive it, but uh, dude, it was ah, just crazy awesome. to hear that. <laughs> it's,
2: yeah. It's awesome. yeah it's, it's, definitely.
0: Since it worked out okay, it's all good. Um, well, dude, that's cool. Dude, before, uh, we got just one or two more questions for you, but do, any uh-huh. other any other good stories from trips that pop to the top of your head? If not, no big deal. I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you've got any other good guide client stories or something, I mean, that's literally the favorite. We've had probably five podcasts where we discuss that, and they're always the listeners' favorite episodes.
2: Yeah, I you know I'm gonna be boring there. I think that one takes the cake. Everything hey, else is fair. Just
0: been- really seriously good good
2: uh you know that that was a little while back that that happened them guys will be back out here um i think in october is when when i'm going to be able to sneak uh some trips in for this season and have them have them back out and like i said we they're they're some of my favorite dudes period Uh, and that's really so much of my clientele now is just become friends you spend you know how it is you spend a single day in the boat with somebody and and you end up texting and, and and getting to know each other for life after that so Really, it really has been. I'm sure, like I said, there's been some. You know, I've had some, in my opinion, jerks or something like that when early in my career, when I was, you know, working in the city trying to do guide trips for whoever would hire me, type of stuff. That just kind of like were, but I'm fairly easy to get along with, and I I understand my job is to make sure that your experience is good on the water. So, uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been really I enjoy guiding dang near as much as i enjoy tournament fishing and i definitely enjoy guiding more if i if, if i end up having a bad tournament so so uh, <laughs> it's something that i it's something that i like to do and i have fun with it and i guided before tournament fishing and i'll guide after tournament fishing
0: heck yeah what's that big lake uh, right near minneapolis minnetonka did you guide on minnetonka,
2: minnetonka. yeah that's where i started so I, I you know i really i started on some of the local twin cities lakes and then and then I'd kind of mess with that. But being my hospitality background, I knew a lot of the hotels in the area. Perfect. I targeted business people immediately. Um, that was my deal. I did the, I did I took kids and all that. But kids are brutally honest and they'll tell you when you're sucking. At least <laughs> at least adults don't and they'll, they'll put up with it for a little longer. Um, so I did Minnetonka for years, and still every now and then we'll go down there to do uh, to do a guide trip on. on Minnetonka and, and Minnetonka is a good fishery, but it's just not a, you know, it's a good place to go for four hours, maybe even a full day, and catch a bunch of bass. But when when you have Malax is, is you know, not even arguably, it is one of the top five smallmouth factories in the world. That's obviously something special. It'd be like being on Chickamauga or, or you know, one of those one of those lakes where where the potential. You know, is just a huge. You know, it's hard to get someone to come from Oklahoma and get excited about a four pounder on Lake Minnetonka. Yeah, you
1: know, you know
2: what I mean. But yeah, uh, but a 4 large pound largemouth, yeah. Is, is yeah. But a six pound largemouth or smallmouth is a totally another, another thing. Oh
0: yeah, it's a good point, man. I the one time I was on Minnetonka, I could not believe um, the boat traffic. It was it was crazy. It was like it was like Lake Erie or St. Clair on a Saturday, like what we just experienced, dude. The the boats were so big. And uh, there were so many of them. I was like, what's going on? It was in, It was like a nice summer evening when everyone just took their boats out for a cruise. But I couldn't believe it, man. Yeah, you, you got to remember, Minnetonka is so close
2: to Minneapolis-St. Paul, which are just the Mississippi River separates those two. Uh, in all honesty, you know, a lot of those boats you're referring to really don't have no business being on a lake that small. It's, I mean, it's a big sprawling <laughs> one, but it's a really small Lake, but for all of us that grew up fishing it and stuff, it's tonka to us, and that's part of it, like, the fish get biting better when the traffic gets going. really uh Yeah, you know, well, they're used to it, you know, that they, they get that all the time, that's just how that lake is, it's just a lot of, it's something like I would assume you all have with the, you know, lakes in Arizona, you don't have as many of them, so the ones you have, I'm sure you get a bunch of traffic on, yes. and, uh yeah, and it's just the way the lake is, it's, when you grow up, you learn to kind of actually appreciate that that's the that's the way that 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 lake is but you're right there's the, some of those boats and wakes and it's it's a washing machine you just don't know thank god it's not any bigger where you have big natural waves to consider too it's just it's just uh wakes off of wakeboard boats and jet skis and those big cruisers that you're talking about
0: that's cool well dude i mean like i hate to always throw rob under the bus on this but he has such disdain <laughs> for wakeboard boats dude he hates them so much like he's used to them but he just hates them more and more every year. He just hates him a little bit more.
1: <laughs> yep. yep.
2: <laughs> I can't say I like a wakeboard boat, you know, any more than the next fisherman out there. Uh, but you just know on a lake like that, there just ain't just nothing you're going to be able to do about it. You know, the weed lines are sprawling, nothing's against the bank. So you're just, that's cool. you're out there where they want to have their fun too. So you just kind of learn to, to deal with it. But it is amazing how big a boat they let go on that, uh, on that body of water, that's for sure. <laughs>
0: Right. On. Well, Hey, uh, last thing, dude. Um, yeah. I mentioned, I talked about you in the intro and, uh, you know, one thing that you do a lot in between events is education, especially, uh, regarding like electronics and stuff, man. And, uh, you know, first off, uh, I guess maybe t- t- tell, tell the listeners a little bit about what you do there. And uh, do you have any webinars or anything coming up?
2: Uh, I don't, I, nothing, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head that is, um, It's planned for a webinar but yeah i mean electronics are something that you all know you just gotta take so serious because it's it's uh you know once you learn how to catch bass uh you you start you start actually becoming less of a bass predator if you will if you're not good with your electronics and what they can tell you what they can show you how fast you can break down water to actually watching you know bass eat your bait in in live in live time so uh, i'm a Lorance user uh that's what that's what that's what i've used for a long long time and uh and yeah i just try to give that knowledge back at the end of the day you know being a minnesota kid i grew up watching uh guys like al Lindner and stuff like that and and at the end of the day if I'm my if i can be a fraction uh whisper in the same breath as a guy like al Lindner, then i i probably won but one one thing he did was yeah, he does is educate people uh so well and and growing up man and still now I, I just am a, a sponge for information. I'm a true believer that if you're if you're not living, if you're not learning, then you're dying. You got it. You got to stay with the times. You got to stay with the stuff and continue to to try to be better. Everything we do, even even things that I'm so stubborn on now, I still try to. I I might disagree with you in the conversations, but then I, I swear to God, I'll get off the phone with you and look into it more. You know what that I mean? Like, like makes make, sense. What am I missing? Yeah. What am I missing? What am I, he's a good fisherman too. What, what am I? What am I missing? And so electronics are just huge so one one thing I try to do with really my whole platform is just give that knowledge back you know as pro fishermen it, it's always been for years so secretive now there's a, there's some things that I'm definitely refraining from throwing out into the public from time to time but at the same time at the same time um the more you give the more people are going to listen and know what you're saying is true and that you're trying to and, and that's our job at the end of the day so I have two jobs as a pro fast fisherman and that is to to outfish you no matter what. And whether I do that or not, that's still my job It's to outfish no matter who it is at any time. That's, that's technically what my job is. And then my job is to also promote uh, the products that I use every day. So by, by doing that, you know, uh, and just giving back that information, I find two things that happen. One, that's the most solid kind of information bass fishermen can get because you're actually learning something. It's not waypoints. It's not anything like that it's actually learning something that's going to make you better on the water every time you go and then more people are willing to share their experience and their stuff back with you um, at the same time when when you're giving that kind of stuff up but if you're when it comes to electronics and stuff like that it's really really simple it's not that hard and if you spend a lot of time on the water it two make more and more sense every single day that you just go out there and do it and I can remember many days with the side imager on my boat and no fishing poles, just trying to learn what it was that I was looking at. So if I can give some of that back to the, to the people out there that want to listen, uh, you know, that's only going to make, you know, my brand, Josh Douglas Fishing, uh, all the stronger. So no, I don't right now have any webinars. You're damn right. I will have uh, a bunch more in the future. I, I love doing seminars and webinars. Uh, I have no problem talking like that, but nothing planned now, but if, if I could, just, you know, any of my YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, it's all Josh Douglas fishing. And I try to keep daily stuff coming through those platforms at all times.
0: Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. You make a great point about just always trying to keep an open mind, no matter how much you know or think you know, man, there's always, there's always something new coming out and every year, um, you know, just new technologies and new, new gear that help you catch more fish and you don't have to be an electronics wizard in life to understand how to operate your graphs at a high level like i mean it's dude i am completely lost on a computer on a uh, on my phone you should see the struggles we have uh, trying to do this podcast, dude. But uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna say that <laughs> the uh, you know these companies, dude, uh, that produce these electronics, they 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 know that, and they make it pretty. Uh, they, they make it pretty user friendly to be able to use this stuff. So it's it's really it's not that hard and. And uh, people shouldn't be intimidated by it. And uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it, for, for me anyways, it depends on what type of learner you are. But, uh, you know, obviously going on and doing your research online, looking just like you said, going to your YouTube, looking looking through some of that stuff and then, um, you know, jumping in the boat with a guy that knows too sometimes is, is the absolute easiest way for someone to point it, whether it's a guide or a friend. and Someone says that right there is this and this over here is this and this is how you set it up to look like this. You know, there's there's nothing easier than that.
2: Right, right, and sometimes, you know, that's, I know that's all I needed. I spent thousands of dollars idling around. I mean, now I don't even want to think of how much money I've spent, but we, I'm just talking the first year or two of the side imaging uh, was available, you know, when that technology came and spent thousands of dollars early in my career and just gas money idling around, when really at, at a certain point, I just needed somebody to tap me on the shoulder and tell me, yep, that's right. Yep, that's, what you're, that's, that's, what, that's a rock file. Yep, those are fish. Yeah, those are bass. You know what you're looking for. Those are them. They're showing it to you. And when you have that and whether that's, you know, looking at something very useful on, on, uh, you know, I hear I'll throw one out there. I just watched one with Edwin Evers on Google Earth. That blew my mind. And, 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 and here I fish every dang day. And I just watched one from a, from a, a guy's accomplished a bunch in the sport who kind of gave away something that I'm surprised he did. And the I'm that I'm pretty pissed about it,
0: dude. I can't believe yeah, he I know, did that. I honestly. got
2: <laughs> I, And I, and that's why I'm saying, I even hate to bring it up right now on your podcast, but I'm just saying <laughs> that that information dude is, is out there and guys are willing, are, are willing to share, are willing to share what they're learning because Edwin knows damn well. It's his job to beat us all when he gets out on the water and he's not afraid to show. So if you're willing to go and find the stuff, um, it's extremely useful but yeah i know there's a whole bunch of pros that that are cringing on that one i couldn't believe it i mean edwin's like the most (laughs) secretive guy in the world too i'm like what he brought it dude but what but watch his youtube watches youtube which which is which also brought me honestly to look into more of his stuff man and and he's pumping out some just some great content so i think i think by giving and that's exactly what i'm talking about right there is i think by just like, I might not be known as the best angle in the world yet. That's my goal, right? That's all of our goals or we wouldn't be doing it. But at the same time, man, I'm, I'm going to bring it to you as I learn it. And, and, uh, and again, I'm not dumb. I'm not going to give away, you know, there, there's certain things that, that I hold near and dear to me for, for dear time. And mostly that's because somebody else taught it to me. Yeah, you know what I mean? Sense. It's not my place to throw that to throw that out there. But, but again, at the same time, you know, you still have to go out there and put in the time. And that's one thing that we have the advantage of is we do get a lot of time on the water and and that, you know, people can't just come to Malac and expect to learn and expect to beat me necessarily because I I can take a, a full Saturday and just idle out there all day and never make a cast. But if you drove three hours to do that, you do not want to idle all day to not make a cast. You want to catch a dang five pounder. You know what <laughs> I mean? Right. So I'm yeah. in, I, I fish for a different reason. To me, I can find something, you know, obscure, hidden or that I didn't know was there. And I take that as a victory that day. And off I go. But it's also my job to be out there and
0: be on the water finding those. That's pretty cool, man. Hey, uh, so
1: guys, I've got I've got a really quick question for both of you. Uh, since you're both big time electronics guys recently in social media, and this may just be negative for me to bring this up, but there's guys on social media saying electronics are ruining the art of bass fishing. What is your view on that? And I mean, I disagree with it. I think, I think the younger guys are whooping up on the older guys and they're just butthurt about it. Do you agree? Or what's your take on that?
0: Josh, you're the guest, bro. You go first. That's a good question, Rob.
2: And no, it's a, it's a
0: really good question.
2: Um, No, I don't. Obviously I don't, I'm going to take the stance of no, I don't think it's ruining bass fishing at all. Um, a matter of fact, uh, as soon as we, as soon as I didn't make the cut at, at Erie, I was watching Josh, uh, do his magic using it and, and, and learn, you know, and using his technology there, just like I am watching, uh, the Bassmasters do it right now. So they're, yep. they're, the thing is, is these fish, God has a great way of protecting his babies is a line I use a lot. It's amazing mm-hmm. how fast these fish learn to adapt because they're predators and they're also prey. When when it comes to us, and they're yep. and I think way too many people think a bass is dumb. They they might they they are so smart and and so aware of their surroundings every day. And I've even seen with live sight how fish just learn to avoid my boat now. But but at the same time, they they use the boat to their advantage because they're predators. So we scare perch and we scare crawdads and we cast shadows over rocks and and weed lines and stuff that those bass are conditioned to know we're there, especially at lakes like St. Clair that have a ton of boat traffic or like Minnetonka, like we were talking about. And they actually use that just like wolves do to, they go and they, you know, they use one wolf to scare a bunch of deer and they chase them right to them. So they're just the same. They're animals. They, They learn how to survive. They're super smart that the electronics, I don't think is ruining bass fishing as a matter of fact i think it's making it more made more mainstream more fun and, and right. you can't tell me that these fisheries i mean we have an unprecedented amount of fishing going on in the united states right now and these and fisheries keep, are still are still pumping up the bag
1: oh it's, yeah it's incredible how good the fisheries are nowadays compared to years ago
0: yeah right. and we in know how to manage concept, right
1: hundred
0: percent you know the the, the fisheries departments are learning, are, are learning more and more every year on how to manage things. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can't, mother nature is going to do what mother nature is going to do, but, uh, you know, I'm with Josh hundred percent, you know, the fish are so smart and, and you'll see them wise up on, on places that do get that crazy amount of pressure. And, uh, and just like what he's saying, what he's seen, like on live scope, you'll see fish react differently on different lakes at different times. Um, but I don't know, man, how could it be a bad thing that, more people are are going out and catching more fish. I mean, it's dude, right. just to have mapping and uh, you know, to ha- have the right type of uh, of sonar and electronics where you can show up to an unfamiliar lake and not have a negative miserable experience where you can go out to a new lake and have a positive experience and catch fish, like right. dude, I'm sorry that, you know, it's it's not only the the two or three good old boys that know where the the magic rock pile isn't in the middle of the lake anymore. I mean, now now everyone does, but there's plenty of places to catch fish. And uh, I don't know, dude. I um I don't know how how good I would be at debating against that guy in that situation, but I totally disagree with it. Just uh just like Josh, what do you think, Rob?
1: I I mean, I am I'm so backwards when it comes to electronics because I fish the same lake, small little lake, and I haven't I haven't been forced to learn how to use it like I should. Um, which that's definitely a, a bucket list for me, something I need to do in the near future. But um, I think it's impressive what you guys do with it. I don't think in any way it's ruining fishing at all. Um, I think it's just, like you said, it's making it more accessible to younger guys that are willing to figure it out. And and like you're saying, there's that magic rock pile that three guys have known about for you know the last 20 years. And now everybody knows about it. But what you're finding is, you watch guys like um, like yourself and like Jacob Wheeler. You you go find other stuff. I mean, you guys are fishing like like stuff that nobody ever fished, and you're finding that one little rock pile. You know, so it's it's spreading guys out. I think it's good. So I have no problem with it at all.
0: I just That's find a- it
1: funny how how i think it was two different guys i don't even remember who it was but just bagging on it like like it's ruining the art of fishing <laughs> so and,
2: and on that on that topic i mean you always have a lot of that is just n- missing the education part you right. know my my stepdad has said that to me for years like oh let's take <laughs> all the fancy electronics you have on your boat off and then see if you're as good as a fisherman as your uncle wants while you know like without using it, i'm like well that's just a totally different world because the bottom line is once you get out past looking at stuff visually with your eyes, lay down docks, riprap bridges, sand spots, you can see with your eyes. Once you get past that point, you are guessing. There is no way that you could ever know what's underneath the water column past what you can see visually if you don't have the use of electronics. And, and there's also another argument to be said there, too. It makes you more efficient I think, a lot less harder on the fish. And this might be getting – pushing at this analogy, but putting scopes on rifles actually made for less uh, deer's be, deer being killed, like, by – you know, wounded or whatever. Yep. Yep. To, to
1: sit Interesting. there
2: To sit there and know that I'm getting bit to see a fish come under my graph and eat my bait – it's so much easier. That's, that's that many more of a percentage of fish that get less gut hook. That's, it's so much more. But the bottom line is the fish will adapt to the pressure and change their course like any other animal, including humans, are going to do. We're going to adapt and we're going to change. And and that's what I'm seeing seeing happening is that those fish are adapting and they're, and they're just changing and, and they're moving. If, if a spot starts getting too much pressure, it'll become another spot. Josh, how often... We do our research for tournaments. How often does it ever get one off the same spot?
0: Yeah, never. It's it's so never. funny and just, dude. You know, looking back at when I first started traveling back east to fish tournaments, I would put so much credence into that. And Now it's like, yeah, that's done. You know, that's a, you know, as soon as something gets shown, dude, it's it's done for a while, anyways. You know, uh, it's that's a it's a fantastic point. And and when you when you fish lakes that you know like year after year after year. It's amazing just to see how the fish's habits just change, dude. Like it's 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 every year it's it's completely different. And there are places where the fish will always show back to, but fish will just do something one year and the next year it just never happens again, dude. It's it's really interesting how their habits change.
2: Whether it's the pressure or just the environment changes. Something happens that oh now the coon tail grows over those rock piles so those rock piles aren't the same no more. You can't sure. just pull throw a football jig on them coontail on it you know and those factories the fit you know, the lakes are changing every single year regardless of what electronics are doing and that's keeping those fish those fish moving too so i mean i, I can see the argument but at the same time i think no it makes for a a, a more educated fish catch is what i think it, makes. it and we, makes a lot of
1: the luck out of the sport and we also we all know multiple guys with four twelves on their boats and they don't catch them ever so mm-hmm. it's, it's not like good. the, it's not like as soon as you get them, you're going to start catching them. So. If
0: you took the electronics out, there's all the you know, there are a lot of people that, that, that call for these non-electronic tournaments and stuff. And it would be so much different. Uh, sorry for the background noise, the garage doors opening somehow. Uh, but do the tournament results would not change very much. I can almost guarantee the guys that do good now would do well with, yes. or without their electronics. Yep. I mean, it, it, it would be the same guys taking the money.
1: You still have there to fish understand b- fish behavior and everything to, to catch them. So Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of that resistance, too, a lot of that resistance, too, are,
2: are coming from an uneducated person that just maybe isn't familiar with the electronics like a lot of people are. And we're seeing it get better every year as people. Now, I mean, you can't make a phone call without being somewhat electronic savvy. So as people are getting more electronic savvy, you're starting to see more people come around to it. But I think a lot of the resistance you hear are strictly just people that don't, don't have the equipment and aren't using it to know, you know, they're just making an opinion.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: If you give any of those dudes live scope, they'll, uh, <laughs> they'll never give it back <laughs> up. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, Hey Josh, dude, this ended up going long and we could talk to you for hours, man, but, uh, we know, uh, it's a, it's a Saturday, dude. You want to get back on the lake? Uh, Rob, do you have anything else for him before we let him go?
1: Not really. Just encourage our listeners to get a hold of them and go catch some smallmouth up north. So pretty cool. Thanks, Heck yeah.
2: So, yeah, guys, Josh. Heck yeah. Yeah, Josh. So much for for having me on. I really do appreciate it. I Hope you come back on again sometime.
0: Heck yeah. And what were I know you said it already, but what were all your social media platforms? Just so. Uh, yes. Don't it's have to pretty go simple. Back.
2: Josh Josh Douglas fishing across the board. Will find find me on Facebook, YouTube. I'm not much of a Twitterer. I might have an account, but I don't do it much. But Facebook, Instagram, and uh, and definitely YouTube. You know, I try to keep those educational videos. And then same, if, if you just want to go to my website, uh, there's a full, all my videos are on there and stuff too. And that's just uh, joshdouglasfishing.com. Awesome.
0: Cool, man. Well, good luck in the rest of your derbies this year. And uh, great chat, man. We'll we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Josh. See ya. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, Josh was awesome to talk to and uh, had some good conversation with him. Man. We could have talked to him for, uh, for hours, so hopefully we can get him back on again. Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening every single week. Thanks for sharing the podcast. Thank you for um, the ratings and reviews, and um, we look forward to chatting with you again a week from today. Thanks.